Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. and welcome back to Truth and Justice. This is your Friday follow-up for episode number 517, The Hollingsworth Clan, part three. In this week's episode, we shifted the focus from what Narlene and her family say that they saw regarding Damien Eccles, and we shifted back to where the original tip seemed to be focusing, which, as you all know after listening to the episode, was actually on her now or then nephew, previously her stepson, L.G. Hollingsworth. And as we worked through the episode and worked through all of the documents, we found there, number one, was still a lot of discrepancies. Uh, but secondly, we have a new character that enters the scene, Richard Simpson, who has, I'm sure, caught the attention of a lot of listeners. So with that being said, we're going to go ahead and get started with this week's Friday follow-up. Okay, first off, Bob, we took in some listener input as far as what we want to do with the Patreon page, and we've come up with some things. So why don't you explain to the listeners what's going on with that? Okay, so yeah, we took a lot of listener feedback and really rolled around the idea. Um, And we won't spend too much time on this, but just to explain right now, our Patreon page has been revamped. And I finally looked up the address. It is patreon.com slash truthandjustice. Uh, And again, Patreon is where you can make a monthly pledge donation to help support the cause, covering everything from travel expenses to DNA testing to open record requests and just, just everything that it takes to keep our operation running as kind of a buffer from what we don't get in from advertising revenue. And you know, a lot of people a lot of people already donated to the Patreon and pledge, and we really, really appreciate that. And and it has helped us a lot over the last couple of years since we've had it up. But you know, with this way, I wanted to offer some extra content. So first thing I want to address is the fact that. Yeah, we, we said that we, we wanted to maybe put video content up in exchange for certain levels of donations. And a lot of listeners said, you know, we don't need that. You know, we'll, we'll just donate if we want to donate. I'm just the kind of person I, I, I want to try to offer something to you for the money that you send us, aside from the fact that you're helping out with the cause. And then, and then other people said suggestions like we could do extra bonus episodes. For, somebody even said put the Friday follow-ups behind the paywall on Patreon. Here's the problem with that, why our situation is a little more unique than most other podcasts that run Patreon pages, because that's the way they typically do it. Here's your main episode. If you want extra content, you know, pay a few dollars a month and get on the Patreon page. But what we're doing is not just an entertainment podcast. We're, we're really trying to accomplish something here. 
And in order to do that, we need everyone's help. So I, what I can't do, I can never do uh, in good conscience is to put any of our content behind a paywall and limit the number of people that can contribute. And and that's why we've never done that. That's why we'll never do that. I will, I will never do bonus episodes behind a paywall, anything like that, because I value what, you know, whether you can, you know, some people don't want to contribute. Some people just can't afford to contribute. Even even an extra dollar a month is a lot to, to some people. And so we don't want to limit, you know, that person who may hold the key to solving the cases that we're working on. Uh, and, and that's why we had the video idea. And uh, some of you, several of you actually a lot have already uh, jumped onto that reward level on Patreon and, and have the opportunity to view our first video that we did last week. But it's just a little behind the scenes. There's a little of content. We kind of talk to the camera a little bit and, and you see how things operate around here. We have a little bit of fun with it. But but there's no there's no if you're not watching these videos you're not missing out on content there's not case material being covered behind a paywall anywhere anything to do with the case is done right out in the open for free so any of you who want to help and contribute can do so so that being said we did come up with some reward levels on our Patreon page what we have first is the bronze level which is if you just donate a dollar or more you get our sincere thank you for your help then we have the silver level patron. Silver level is if you donate and pledge $5 a month or more, then that gives you access to all of our video content, which are all these behind-the-scenes videos of all the Friday follow-ups. I, I won't say all because sometime, as a matter of fact, next week uh, I'm going to be out of town and uh, we're going to record remotely. We may not get a video done next week, but you know there'll be times when I'll, we'll make little videos about things just, just to give you some extra content for that silver level support, which is $5 or more. And then we have the gold level which is if you contribute, geez, I should know this, I think $15 a month or more. And that gets you a Truth and Justice t-shirt. It's our Truth and Justice Army t-shirts. And then next we have our titanium. The titanium level is $30 a month. And if you donate $30 a month or more, then you get a Truth and Justice podcast hat. Now, these are high-quality hats. Uh, they're, they're made by Legacy. They're like a trucker style hat, but they are they're very, very high quality hats. And myself and Mike, whoever you want, will sign the hats and ship them off to you at the titanium level, the $30 a month or more. And then finally, our big reward level, the platinum, which, as we now know, is uh, much more higher in value and as a metal than the others. The platinum level is $100 a month or more. Of course, we don't expect if anyone, not very many people to do this level, but you would get the the signed hat, the shirt, and the opportunity to co-host one of the Friday follow-up episodes. So you'll sit in for Mike for a day. Do my job for a day. Yeah. 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 You still have to edit, uh, yeah. but they would they would sit in and, and host the show uh, one time. Of course, travel expenses would be on you, uh, but we're happy to have you sit in. Or you can even do it over the phone, though. You can do it over the phone, however you want to do it. So that's what's going on on our Patreon page. This will probably be the last time I talk about it. It makes me super uncomfortable, as you all know. Uh, but I did want to clear all that up, so now we have the different levels, different rewards for contributing different amounts, and that's patreon.com slash truthandjustice, and once again, thank you to every single one of you that contribute and have contributed in the past. It really does, even the smallest amount, makes a huge difference in our operations. Yeah, thanks, guys. And now let's get to the questions. Listener Sarah has four questions. Her first question is, where did LG get a job? Bob said it was in West Memphis, but was it anywhere near the relevant places? Her second question is, when LG came to the laundromat to ask Dixie for Domini's number, was he driving the strange car, or was it with somebody driving the strange car? 
Her third point is, I find it interesting that when they inventoried LG sneakers, there was no mention of any of them having 666 written on the side. Since the police had been told this and were all about the satanic panic, you'd think they would have taken note. And her fourth point is, regarding the sighting of the boys in the afternoon, Narlene states that the only one she got a good look at and can really describe is the quote heavyset dark-haired one. Shouldn't that confirm that either she saw three other boys or at best she saw two of the victims with a third friend? Okay, I'll start with that one because that's the one I can remember. Then I'll have you go back through the other ones. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think that it absolutely, exactly what you just said. Either she saw three different boys because neither, so there's two dark-headed boys, of course, Michael Moore and Christopher Byers. Neither of them can in any way, shape, or form be described as heavyset. Neither of them. Uh, they were almost the exact same size. And neither of them, again, were anywhere close to heavyset. So either she saw three completely different boys or, uh, as she said, it was two boys, you know, maybe Michael and Christopher, along with a third. Or it could have even been Michael and Stevie, uh, along with a third boy. And, and that's what she, her sighting is one of the sightings that we've said seems to indicate to us that there may have been a fourth boy traveling with them that day. Uh, because if, if we, we all know now that the three boys weren't together all afternoon. They were they they had separated several times. They actually spent very little of their time uh, with all three of them together that we know of, uh, and not all that much time even with two of them together. So a sighting with three could just mean that that was two of them plus a fourth boy. Or again, she could have been talking about completely different kids. You know, it gets convoluted at trial when all of a sudden now Sombra's in the back seat and Sombra identifies clearly that Stevie Branch. I went to school with him. I know his parents. Blah blah blah. That completely changes the whole narrative, and unfortunately, that's all the people, the, the jury heard at trial. Uh, she wasn't really confronted with her original statement. So I think that answers that one, and if you can, can you go back to hit me point by point, because I don't remember all the questions. Yeah, sure. The first point was, where did LG get a job? Okay, so he got a job at Big Star. Now, there's a Big Star on Broadway east of the neighborhood, not far. I mean, just barely southeast of the neighborhood. She describes it as Big Star West. So I don't know if that's the same one or if there's another big star somewhere else. I'm really not sure. I know she talked about driving past 14th and Barton to get to work, but that, you know, because of where he lived, he lived in Macaulay Circle. So the only way out of there is on on Wilson Road. Uh, so it would seem like she's heading west of the neighborhood. So I, I don't know. We don't have an exact location. The police didn't go there and question the boss or get a timesheet or anything like that. Okay, and then the second question was, when LG came to the laundromat, did he come alone driving the strange car, or was there somebody else driving the strange car? Dixie's account is that he came alone. She said that he showed up in a strange car, asked for Dominique's number, and then left. She didn't say anything about anybody else being in the car, I don't think, anyway. And then, of course, I think LG said that was Richard Simpson's car, and Dixie says she knows Richard's car, and it definitely wasn't his. But she does describe it, I think she described it as a small, light-colored car. Richard drove uh, a yellow LTD, Ford LTD, and I'm not sure uh, how big an LTD is, if it could be described as small. Yeah, I'm not familiar with the LTD. Um, yeah. Well, well, let me pause this real quick. I can figure that out real quick. Okay. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, I paused the recording there and went and looked and, and confirmed what I thought. The Ford LTD is by no means could be described as a small vehicle. It is a large vehicle it's what uh in previous seasons people have described as a boat i mean they're they're very long four-door sedans so mm-hmm. i don't think dixie seeing a small a light colored small car could have been confused with richard's ford ltd okay mike can, can you real quick recap that last point she had i think it was about the shoes yeah uh when the police inventoried lg shoes that they didn't make any note of there being 666 written on the side right. uh yeah they didn't as we get into more interviews as i've been researching for this week's episode I found that the police are asking more about data. They actually interview a friend of the Eccles family, or the Hutchison family, as it were, and uh, wanted to know if they ever looked at his shoes and if there was anything written on his shoes, any numbers. So they're hinting at that. So apparently that got spun into being Damien's shoes and not LG shoes. And it seems like neither is true from what we've seen so far. Okay, this next one's from Brady, and he's also got two questions. First... He says, I know Narlene says she saw Damien and Domini, so she turned on her brights in her car. But if they were wearing all black, would it really be easy to see if they were, quote, muddy or dirty, as she claims since it's 930 at night? Which I'm assuming she needs her brights to see when it's pretty dark out. Yeah, and I I think we've answered this already on last week's follow-up. At this point, I'm not going to tell anybody else how to think or believe, but I just, I find Narlene Hollingsworth to be 100% having no credibility whatsoever. I mean, the stories are just... She put the nail in the coffin for me with the introduction of Sombra in the sighting of Stevie Branch. To be honest, that was the one where it was the, it was the clearest, most blatant morphing of her statement. It, you know, we have a statement... When she says, I did not get a good look, I don't know who the boys were, I only could identify the one heavyset, dark-headed kid... And then at trial, all of a sudden, Sombra's in the car and says, that's Stevie Branch. I mean, no, no way. There's, there's nothing that woman says is credible, in my personal opinion. Okay, his next question is, if LG is Domini's cousin, how come he needs her number? I would think since they're family and they seem to live close to each other, that they would likely know each other's phone numbers. Yeah, but that's one of those things where we just don't know. We, we, we can't make assumptions about how other people live their lives. I mean, it also doesn't seem to me like they're all that close. But who knows? Uh, th- that was a different time, though, you know, because I don't know anybody's number. You know, you and I hang out and we work together every day and talk all the time, even on the weekends. And I have no idea what your phone number is yeah. uh, in the day of cell phones. But back then, you remember, it's before your time, too, whippersnapper. You didn't have to point at me. <laughs> right. Uh, but you know, in my day, you had to remember everybody's phone number. That's just the way it was to, to make phone calls. But I don't know. I don't know if that means anything. I don't even know if he came in there and asked for her phone number at this point. Everything's so convoluted. This next one's from Ben and Kendra. Richard Simpson sounds like a valid lead, or at least ought to have been investigated regarding his relationship with LG. Has he ever been convicted or suspected of any crimes relating to children? What else do we know about Richard? I've started to do a little bit of background checking into Richard, and I'm not comfortable getting into any of that right now, only because we're going to, after we're done going through the original investigation, 
then we're going to start looking at alternate suspects. You know, both uh, suspects that the West Memphis P- police looked at at one point or another, and any new suspects that come up. And and so we'll we'll address him as a potential subject at some point. You know, there, there's some, there's some fine lines between a lot of the people we talk about here. There are people in this case who accepted pretty decent sums of money from HBO, from uh, stars, for, for books and things. Basically, they accepted money in exchange for selling their life rights and, and, the, and thus, in, in my opinion, making themselves a public figure and, and opening themselves up to be scrutinized because they have been for 25 years. There are other people in the case that we're going to come across that didn't do that. I mean, I've got some opinions about Richard Simpson, but only from what I've read in that little bit. I haven't really dug too deeply into him, but I, I, I'm not going to go through and, and trash somebody who, you know, they didn't sign up for that. Now, if I find something, if I if it find out that he is a valid lead and there's a reason to really look deeper at him, then we will certainly discuss that. And we will be addressing him as a potential suspect at some point. But right now, I don't know if there's enough there to even get into it. So I'm going to kind of stay away from that at this point. Okay, and Taylor wants to know, where is LG now? Are there any updates? Maybe interviews? Unfortunately, LG died in a car accident. Jeez, I'm trying to remember what it wasn't a long time. I don't think after the murders occurred, L, we're not done with LG. Uh, in, I, I think I had said in at the close of this week's episode, we're going to talk more about him this week. But as you know, as we're kind of adapting how we're producing this week's episode and how we're laying out the next one, we probably won't hear more from LG until next week. But he just continues to be a prominent character in the in the case, even long after his death. And when we'll get into all that way down the road, but uh, sadly, LG has is is deceased. He died in a car accident, so he's not available for interview. But what he is available for is for people to talk shit about him, you know. And, and I'm not t- talking about our audience why we're a- having asking legitimate questions, but after he passed, all of a sudden he becomes an alternate suspect again with all these stories told about him when, of course, he's not able to defend himself, mm-hmm. um, which we'll look at those stories and uh, those theories at some point down the road again and see if they're valid or if they're just, you know, people throwing stuff against the wall to see if it'll stick. Okay, and then Gretchen wants to know, is Narlene still alive? If so, any possibility of interviewing her and asking about her contradictions? To be honest, I don't know. I haven't looked into Narlene yet, and there's a reason for it, and I will at some point. And maybe if she's alive and willing, we'll we'll have a conversation. But we get constant emails and messages from people. You need to interview this person or that person. But a lot of times, you know, we'll do a, a behavior analysis and statement analysis of people from when they were originally investigated, and just decide that it's not worth it. And Narlene's one of those people. You know, I can I could interview Narlene. Say she's alive and she wants to do an interview. I can already tell you exactly how that interview goes. Narlene Hollingsworth is not, in my opinion, does not have the personality to come clean about her lies. She's just not, and number one, I, I, I guess she, she reminds me of Troy Eldridge kind of uh-huh. in our season three case sure. where she will probably double down on her story and get the whole damn thing wrong. It's, it's, it's likely what'll happen. Yeah. Uh, and it's because they're not real memories. She's not drawing from real memories. It's hard to remember actual things that happened to begin with. But then when, when you're, you're looking at something that you've made up and you told lie after lie after lie, you saw the evolution of her stories just over the course of less than a year from May of 93 to trial in 94. If we talk to her now, uh, I just, she just, she strikes me and I could be wrong. Uh, but she just strikes me as someone that would, I, I could almost predict every word she'd say with the exception of the fact that I think the stories would take on a whole new meaning. 
people like her tend to, but, but I shouldn't say people like her. People like the way I'm analyzing her particular type of behavior, they'll you'll watch them kind of morph with what's known too. You know, there there there's you know alternative suspects that have come up in the documentaries, and all of a sudden now she'll remember something about oh yeah I saw that guy and it was actually him down there. Uh, you know, so I just to me an interview with Narlene Hollingsworth would be a, would be a complete waste of time. It would be interesting to listen to, I'm sure. But, you know, that's something we might get to, but she's way down my priority list. I just don't find her credible enough to to waste the time interviewing her. Okay, and back to LG. Bethany asks, was LG in the same neighborhood, and did he know any of the victims? LG, yeah, he was in the same neighborhood. He actually lived uh, just right around the corner from the, the buyers and the moors. So they lived at 14th and Barton. Uh, if you go just a block to the east is Wilson Street. And you go less than, and these are not even city blocks. This is a short distance. And then you you go north just a little bit. You hit Macaulay Circle, and he lived right there. So he was just right around the corner from from them. So he lived right in the middle of the neighborhood. Uh, Richard Simpson did not. I think somebody asked that too. He didn't live far, but he didn't live right in that in that exact neighborhood. Uh, but again, with him, things are a little different. You know, as all of our cast of characters right now, nobody has a damn car. Mm-hmm. You know, Damien Eccles didn't own a car, didn't have a driver's license. Jason Baldwin didn't own a car, didn't have a driver's license. Uh, LG didn't own a car. I don't know if he had a... He did have a driver's license because he was driving. But Simpson is the one person that does have a car. So so all of a sudden, his proximity to the crime scene becomes less relevant because he could, in two minutes, just drive there. But yeah, LG lived right next to the neighborhood. I don't... From what i found so far, I, I found nothing in any police notes to date that would indicate that he knew any of the victims or had any kind of a relationship with any of the victims. Okay, this one's from Wendell. He says, I'd never heard the story about LG and Richard in Kentucky. Do we have any other info on why the police there thought that they were acting suspicious? Is it possible that there might have been some reports with the Kentucky police that could come shed further light on this? I wish that was true. Unfortunately, all we know about it, and of course, I never heard about that either. You know, I found it buried in the files, uh, the transmissions back and forth from Kentucky. Unfortunately, as we found, you know, the record retention law, first of all, say there was an actual police report generated, highly unlikely 25 years later they're going to have it because they're not required to keep them that long. And likely there isn't one, you know, because it doesn't say they committed a crime. They were arrested. They were not in custody. They just said they were, quote, acting suspicious. And then after they spoke with them, you know, he gave the ID for West Memphis PD. I I didn't mention on the main episode. Uh, but I'll mention it now. In his uh, in Richard Simpson's subject description, he lists a captain from the West Memphis Police Department as his. It's a relative. I want to say brother-in-law, uh-huh. uh, maybe a cousin. He's related to somebody, a, a high-ranking officer in the West Memphis Police Department. But as far as what happened in Kentucky, what really just caught my attention is he's interviewed on the 14th. He's given a uh, he's given a polygraph test. They're kind of putting some heat on him. And then two days later, him and LG show up, you know, two states away over in Kentucky. It makes you, and it could be completely normal. You know, they might have, maybe that's part of, you know, they had a, they had a job they had to do on, who knows, but it just, it just stuck out of my mind. It, it kind of is very Brian Holland, Chris Morgan-esque when also in a couple of days later they disappear uh, and then they're acting suspicious. But again, also let's think about what suspicious meant in Arkansas and Kentucky in 1993. You know, if, if you weren't, if you weren't Baptist, you were suspicious right. back then. So that could, it could have just been a couple of fellas hanging out together. 
you know, that, you know, maybe if somebody had, you know, some inclination to think maybe they were homosexual or something, which in today's day and age, who cares? But in 1993 in Kentucky, that would be suspicious. Yeah. Nancy wants to know, was the reward money ever given to the Hollingsworths? No, as a matter of fact, there was an article in the newspaper, I think it was after the convictions, but he said that, you know, the reward fund had grown, I think, to $32,000, and he said no one got the reward, and therefore, they were they were saying, if you want your money back, you can have it back. If you don't, we could certainly, I think he said, we could certainly use the money to just keep in the fund for other cases. I, I don't understand why, you know, somebody should have got it. You have a case that was completely reliant upon witness testimony. There's no forensic evidence. Spoiler alert, there's none, zero. There's not a fingerprint, DNA, a hair, nothing that ties the people who were convicted to the crime scene. So all of the the circumstantial evidence revolved around witness testimony. And there was a reward for anybody who had information leading to the conviction. Well, Narlene Hollingsworth certainly led to the conviction. As we'll find out later, Jesse Miss Kelly did, but of course, and maybe that's why. Maybe because, but no, because he didn't lead to the conviction because he never testified. There were several different witnesses that came in and told some stories to the jury, some of whom recanted later, who contributed to the conviction. So I don't know why that wasn't split amongst them, but after the whole thing, they said, you know, forget it. We're not paying anybody. You can have your money back if you want it. Okay, we've covered some pretty good points here. Let's take a quick break here from our sponsor, and then we'll get back to it. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, listener Aaron has three points. In regards to the stinky box, what body parts were missing from the boys? The only body parts so to speak, that were missing from the crime scene. And this this is awful to talk about, but it was uh, the genitals of Christopher Byers was the only thing that was missing. And I have my own theories. We've discussed them as far as, you know, if they were actually missing. Uh, I don't want to get into that, but bottom line, I don't know if this is what Aaron was getting at, but for me, she describes a box larger than a shoebox full of what she's implying is possibly body parts. And there were certainly not that many body parts missing. Her second point is, do you believe that LG and Richard had an inappropriate relationship? Yes, without question. That I will say, well, look at the facts. Just the fact that he's taking a 17-year-old person out to bars to buy beers and margaritas for him, that right there is inappropriate to me. Uh, If there's any kind of a sexual relationship, the fact that he's under 18, he's a child, there's a problem. So in my opinion, yeah, it was an inappropriate relationship. You know, it's not, not, you know, and I don't, and I, and I don't even know if there's anything sexually oriented going on at all. I don't, I don't have any indication of that. And if LG was 18, great, fine, do your thing. If uh, it's still a little weird, 49 and 18 is a, is a pretty big age gap, but uh, who am I to judge? And if LG was 21 and he wanted to take him out for drinks, fine. But the fact that LG is a minor, one, and number two, that he's taking him out for beers, which is illegal. Yeah, I think it's inappropriate. Okay, and her third point is, someone implied that LG was washing clothes for Damien and Domini. 
has Damien ever commented on whether he and LG were friends or his opinions on LG? Well, he he commented to the police that he didn't particularly like LG. He said that, you know, it's not like he was an acquaintance, maybe not so much a friend. They, they were, you know, around each other a little bit, probably because of LG being around the trailer park, I guess. But Damien had said at one point that LG wanted to swap girlfriends with him for a night. And, and that's just Damien's story, so that could be total bullshit. But, you know, it, that he thought that was strange, especially because Dominique's his cousin. But as we looked at the family tree, not really. You know, they're, it's like through marriage, sort of. We don't really know. It just didn't seem to me. As a matter of fact, Damien names LG as someone he thinks could potentially do something like this. And then LG, uh, we'll get into later what he said. Listener Natalie says, do you suppose it's possible that the anonymous older white female tipster believed that Narlene is LG's mom when she says that LG's mom will lie to protect him? Narlene is his ex-stepmother, and if the tipster is only peripherally acquainted with the Hollingsworth clan, she might think Narlene is his mom. Also, assuming that Narlene is lying to protect LG, I think it's also worth considering that if Anthony was in the family car the night of the Damien and Dominique sighting, Narlene probably left him out of her story because he wasn't supposed to be in the same vehicle with his sister. So she wanted to know if the tipster could be mistaken for LG's mom, and she wanted to know why Anthony was left out of her story when she was talking about the car ride. Yeah, I mean, we'd have to speculate to answer either of those questions. Again, I think the whole stories were, you know, made up. But the uh, the tipster thinking that, no, I don't, to me, that tip rang through as though someone overheard. So it, it contained everything that Narlene was saying you know, with a little bit of it mixed up. So to me, she heard Narlene say, and then we also remember have Narlene saying that LG's mom would lie for him. And then Narlene saying that her friend said that LG's mom would lie for him. So I I think that she just overheard probably Narlene talking to someone. And no, I don't think she confused with his mom. As far as Anthony being in the car, again, it didn't happen. I don't think it happened at all. And leaving him out of the story because he's not supposed to be in the car. Like, why the hell would you put him? Unlike the LCD we just talked about, the Ford Escort is a very small car to put seven people in to go pick somebody up. You know, it would be easier just to, you know, not take him with instead of taking him with and lying to the police about it. Okay, and then I was looking at social media this week and there was some discussion with the whole usage of the word psychosomatic when describing Damien's medication on the last episode. Your fault. Yeah, definitely my fault. <laughs> I take full responsibility for that. It's not your fault. It was, I should have. Because uh, I think I started, the question came up on the follow-up. It, yeah, it was. It was the follow-up. So I wasn't prepared, and I couldn't remember the word. I asked Mike, what's the word I'm looking for? Tip of my tongue. First word out of my mouth, psychosomatic. And I trusted Mike because he's my best friend. Thought and, I was right at the time. <laughs> and I, I, I knew he'd never lead me astray. I did. So not only did I say psychosomatic in the follow-up, mm. but then I said it again in the main episode having no need to research it now because, again, my best friend Mike told me that it was psychosomatic. I'm surprised we didn't get any flack for that the first time. We did. Oh, we missed. Okay. Yeah. Um, we, that, so that was a, another red flag that we just completely overlooked. Yeah. 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 So anyway, thanks everybody for the um, input. That was definitely a goof on our part. Uh, Should have researched it ahead of time. Um, but you knew what we meant. Okay, and this next question is Blue Check Official. Blue Check Official. Twitter? Twitter. Famous person, Twitter. Allison Sweeney, Days of Our Lives, and The Biggest Loser. She writes, OMG, how have we never heard about LG and Richard until you looked into the case? And was no one suspicious of Narlene's constant interference? Did the defense bring this up at all at trial? 
As far as I know, and like I've said before, I haven't been through the entirety of all of the trial transcripts yet. So as, as far as I know, Richard Simpson was never brought up. Because what are they going to do? They've got a report in the file from Brian Ridge that says he's cleared. So they're going to bring him up and say he's cleared. And they could try to present him as an alternate suspect. But a defense has to be careful about that, too, because you can't put up too many alternate suspects. you got to kind of put your eggs all in one basket. You know, if, if I was a defense attorney trying to defend someone and, and I decide we're going to paint Mike as the alternate suspect as our trial strategy, well, I can't start giving the jury a bunch of evidence like, look, this guy probably did it, and then put somebody else in there, or it was that guy, or it was that guy, because also now I'm creating reasonable doubt for all three of them, and it just ends up landing right back on me. So I don't think that Richard Simpson was ever brought up at trial, and I don't know if he is a valid suspect or not. There's certainly some things that raise some red flags. Uh, as far as Narlene's interjections, no, that was not pointed out by the defense. I think it should have been. We're all educated a lot more as a society, especially as Americans, as far as how the criminal justice system works now. And so I don't mean to say this to be insulting, but the intelligence level of the jury to understand something like that in 1993 was, was far less than it would be now. Because we now we have all these true crime TV shows and true crime podcasts and, and documentaries, and they're just right at our fingertips. There's all of this information out there. And and really just in the last 10 years, say, because there was always some of the stuff was out there, but you still most of it was like crime drama on TV before reality TV was really as popular as it is now. It's probably been more than 10 years. But now reality TV, unscripted movies, documentaries, podcasts, uh, YouTube channels are all becoming more and more prevalent. So the jury pool now would have a a much better concept, I think of why that might be significant that she's poking her nose into the into the investigation than they would have then. I don't I don't think that really would have resonated. So right now it seems like that they probably should have done a better job of of, of pointing that out to the jury. But back then I don't know that it would have made any difference whatsoever. Uh it certainly raises my eyebrows now as far as you know why is she so interested? But honestly, I think the most likely reason for that is probably money. It probably had to do with money. Okay, and last, Gabriella says, The Hollingsworth clan gives me a headache. It's still not clear why Dominie didn't get rolled in with the West Memphis Three. If their testimony got Damien, it should have implicated Dominie too, right? Well, we haven't gotten to the point in the story. Most people know it, but the West Memphis Police Department's case against the, quote, West Memphis Three was 100% built on one recorded police interview one uh, confession, uh, so to speak. Well, not so to speak. It was a confession. And that confession doesn't involve Domini. So that's why so much of this stuff that we're we're finding that you think that that's got to be included, that's got to be relevant, it became irrelevant when the police were forced to work with the narrative provided to them by one Jesse Miss Kelly. And so anything that didn't fit... so. Yeah, Dominique Tier, based on all this, if the Hollingsworths are believable, credible, then Dominique's a suspect. But then they get their confession. We got him. We got a confession. But oh shit, he didn't say anything about Dominique being anywhere around there. So now we got we to gotta drop Dominique out. And you'll see this more and more. There's just a lot of credible leads that were let go because the police only had one narrative to work with. When they finally got out of Jesse Ms. Kelly what they wanted to get out of him and they recorded that statement 
That's the narrative. All the evidence has to fit that narrative. Truth and Justice is a production of NBI Studios. Michael Bussing is your executive producer, and all music for the show was created and composed by PutThemInASong.com. I want to thank Amanda Meyer of Willow Photo and Designs for designing and creating our Friday follow-up logo. And a special thanks to Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com for designing, creating, managing, and maintaining our website. And also a big thank you to our transcription team, Sarah Mueller, Anna Dindorf, Britta Bliss, and Stephanie McConnell. And as always, thank you to all of you for all of your engagement and support. If you like the show and you'd like to support us, you can do so in a number of ways. To financially support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. On the Patreon page, you can pledge as little as $1 a month. And we also have reward levels on the Patreon page that include access to the behind-the-scenes videos of the taping of our Friday follow-up episodes, Truth and Justice Army t-shirts, Truth and Justice hats, and even the opportunity to co-host one of our Friday follow-up episodes. You can also help us out by going to iTunes and leaving us a five-star rating and review. And lastly, you can always support us by supporting the companies that sponsor this program. But the most important thing that you can do is engage in the investigations. You can keep in touch with us through our email at theories at truthandjusticepod.com. You can like our Facebook page or join in on the conversation in the Truth and Justice Podcast fans page. And for all of you tweeters, you can follow along on Twitter at truthjusticepod. And don't forget that we always have our 24-7 voicemail line open for questions, comments, or tips on the case. That phone number is 269-224-2833. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. But as for now, we're signing off. I'm Bob Ruff. And I'm Mike Bussing. And this has been Truth and Justice. Wait, that was your mic. We're very good at our job. Do this several times a week. $5 $5 a month. <clears throat> Is that my computer? Yeah. yeah let me turn it off for yeah, you. Thanks. This happens all the time. That was easy. Nice. Mm-hmm. I, I can just hit on it again real quick. Because right. as we all know, that's... Oh, no, you didn't the <laughs> <laughs> There's a train going by, which is particularly helpful. Never fails. <laughs> Might go ahead and edit that out. Getting <laughs> weird. Get weird. Yeah. So here, let me pause this and action. There's no need to do that. There was no, we already did that. Right. I'm going to, uh, both are, okay. Oh, all right. This is going to, we're going to break into the, uh, psychotropic, psychotropic versus psychosomatic. Okay. Psych. What? Well, the people that have seen this know that that was your fault. Yeah, that was my fault. (laughs) Because you literally hit pause and asked me what word you were looking for. And I said the first word that came to my mind, which was psychosomatic. psychosomatic. Right. Yeah, okay. I'll just say it again then. I thought we were just talking. Yeah. Yeah. Just the two of us. No. We're best friends, Mike. The whole world's watching. We're best friends. (laughs) Weird. (laughs)
Ready for the question? <laughs> I'm ready for the question. I thought you were going to say something like, oh my gosh, I love this actress. No, I'm not. She's gonna... one of my favorites. I love Days of Our Lives. I'm not going to fanboy in front of the, them. I was really expecting <laughs> you to do that, <laughs> like you did earlier off camera. I didn't watch Days of Our Lives. <laughs> that's a lie. I did not. Uh, <laughs> Becky, funny story. So that's funny. Uh, Becky saw that, you know, Allison Sweeney will occasionally tweet at me. Uh, she's a big fan of the show, and she, she's very supportive, too. Really appreciate everything Allison does. Thank you, Allison. She'll be listening now. But when, when I told Becky that Allison Sweeney you know, w- was communicating with us on the show and that she was watching, all she could say was, Sammy. Like, with, and I'm gritting my teeth. Yeah. Uh, yeah because it was intense. Apparently, uh, <laughs> <laughs> she, she hates Becky uh, watched the soap opera Days of Our Lives and just despised the character Sammy. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently she played just a, apparently she played it well, apparently a yeah. very, just a bad character. Becky didn't like her. Mm. And so when she hears Allison Sweeney, she just thinks Sammy. Nice. Yeah. Memorable. <laughs> uh, was that it? Was that, I didn't even ask. You the didn't question. ask the question. Okay. Yet. Jeez. Okay. I don't know how much of that you're going to want. You might want to cut all that I, out of the audio. I think I'm going to. Yeah. And now you for, put it in the bloopers. Okay. And now for the question. <laughs> I swear to God. 